Welcome to the Construction User 2.0 from the Association of Union Constructors. In this podcast, we explore the latest labor trends, industry insights, and important issues in the world of construction. Join us for conversations with industry leaders, subject matter experts, and innovative visionaries as we discuss how we are building the world of tomorrow. Today's guest is the executive director of Helmets to Hard Hats, a program that he himself has been a participant in since 2006. He brings with him valuable experience from his ongoing 23-year military career as an Army Engineer Warrant Officer in the Ohio Army National Guard. His union career began at IBEW Local 306 as an inside wireman, then as a training director. His unique experience as Helmets to Hard Hats success story is invaluable to the organization today. Please join me in welcoming Marty Helms. First, I always want to start off with a, a, a ridiculously off-topic question, get us to know you as a person. What's the last song you had stuck in your head, like couldn't get free of it, humming it all day long? Uh, Garth Brooks, uh, much too young to feel this damn old. Uh, actually, it was this weekend, yeah. Such yeah, a good answer. Uh, you know, and they, they come and go, right? But that was the no, one. Of course. One. Yeah, that was of the course. one uh, for many reasons. You know, it's, uh, and I don't, I don't feel that way, but that song just hit a hit a niche right right when I heard it. And I'm like, uh, you know. So, you, you know, you and I are both former military and uh, for all of basic training, for all of basic training, I had Toys R Us kids stuck in my head. And and so we were uh, we were on a 12 mile, you know, the, the ruck march, kind of one of the final ones. And we're out there. It's South Carolina because I went to relax in Jackson for those who understand that reference. Uh, it's South Carolina. It is August. So it is awful. And, and you know, we're we're full up and we're, we're hiking and I'm sitting there and I'm whistling on a tactical road march. I'm whistling Toys R Us kid. Uh, that didn't go well for me. They're like, who is whistling Toys R Us kid? I was like, guilty drill sergeant and they're like why i'm just happy drill sergeant this is a good day and uh they didn't like that answer they're supposed to be pulling something out of you and i, I just i was having fun yeah toy, toys r us kid at basic training was uh it earned me some hazing i'm not gonna lie but so tell me let's let's start back for those that might not know what helmets to hard hats is let's just make it break down give me your elevator pitch what is this program yeah so helmets to hard hats uh is a nearly 20 year old program we were starting in 2003 by the building trades and the the management uh, side of the organized construction trades that connects transition and service members to include reservists, National Guard, and veterans that have already exited to the organized construction trades. Mainly that was through registered apprenticeship, but it's also open to the management sectors of our industry as well. Okay. So walk me through kind of a, a, a totally typical use case, you know, army engineer 20 years in or 15 years in gets out and you help them transition into the trades that am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, kind of. So essentially we run a job board that basically any signatory contractor or any construction union that's part of it, the 15 different construction unions can put a job post in on our job board. So, for instance, I'm, uh, I'm out of Akron area, local 306 IBW. If they're looking for apprentices, they can put it on our job board. And I am a, a career seeker either in those components I talked about earlier. And I'm just, I can go there, register, make an account on the H2H website. And then it opens this door to all these different job opportunities. So I can do a search, Akron, Ohio, boom, pops up this opportunity, just like Indeed. And I, I know that's, that's basically how it is. And then they can say, hey, look, there's this apprenticeship opportunity right here. These are the steps. This is how I apply or this is where I need to go, whatever. 
And then it's, it's most time military people, once they get that information, they execute, right? They don't really need additional assistance. I would say that's over at least probably 75% of the people. That's how it happens. That's it. That's the quick connection that's made. Uh, some people need additional guidance, you know, you know, for our employers that post on there, it's a lot more streamlined because typically register apprenticeship, there's some selection procedures that are involved. They have to, you know, test, they have to, well, they have to apply, they have to test, they have to interview or our employers are pretty more, more direct, right? When they're hiring, you know, they, they know what they're looking for. They see a candidate, they post it, the candidate can submit a resume or in reverse, the account holder, the employer, or the apprenticeship can reach out to the candidate of interest. You know, they showed interest, they can almost contact them uh, directly too. So it goes both ways in our system. And yeah, and then they, they, the rest is really history. So H2H, to sum it all up, we are the gateway that gets them to the doorstep. After that, it's on the training center or the employer to open the door and, and engage the career seeker. So walk me through, and again, these are some of these are just, I'm, I'm really curious. Again, former military, I have a lot of people that have reached out to me that from the military, from my military life that have said, look, so you have 18-year-old Joe Snuffy who is thinking about becoming a, a union welder, and you have 22-year-old Sergeant Snuffy that is just getting out of the army that has been a welder in the military. He's been trained. What is their their path into the apprenticeship program? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good scenario. So you got someone with experience and someone with no experience. Right. And depending on the craft, right, that they're going after in the, the affiliate. So, you know, let's just say plumber pipe fitter and geographically too, where they're going back to. Depending on that local program and their selection procedure, Joe Snuffy, Sergeant type, coming out, they can evaluate his experience, possibly, and say, look, you, you've you met a credential here, X, Y, and Z, that we can place you either, depending on the status, they can give you so much credit, they can give you you know full journey level access, depending on your experience, or on, unfortunately, some programs, they just start them at ground zero. It really depends on the geographical location, the program that they're going back to, uh, what they'll accept and not accept. Uh, and it's, it changes per craft, per affiliation, per geographical area. Uh, it's all dependent. But in most cases, when they have that real world experience, they're going to get some type of credit. That makes a lot of sense. No, of course, it's going to vary by all those things you mentioned. So what is the, um, what are the goals? What are, you know, if, what is success for Helmets to Hard Hats? What are you guys looking to, I mean, obviously this is somewhat obvious. You're looking to help transitioning military members. I get that. But like, what does real success look like? What is swinging for the fences? What's a home run? So right now it's, it's increased KST. So KST stands for known successful transitions. Uh, you know, right now being a, an, an active uh, service member and going, going through this program nearly, oh gosh, almost 20 years ago now, 18 years ago, and, and seeing there's a lot of potential out there of people exiting the military service, lining up to the construction trades, either on the management side or, or journey level apprenticeship. They are such a good fit for the building trades. You know, we have structure here. You know, we know chain of command. You know, we... We love that brother and sisterhood, the camaraderie that exists within the building trades of taking care of one another. It's essentially a lot like, you know, you have the enlisted in the military and you have the officers, you know, and you can almost make that direct correlation with how we operate, right? So management side of the house is your officers and your, your worker bees, the people that get the job done, the backbone are your enlisted people. And it's almost the exact same relationship. So there's definitely parallels not only in the structure of how we, we operate, 
the the way uh, a lot of our benefits are designed, if you're in the military, you don't think about your retirement. Uh, you don't think about your health care. You know, that stuff just happens. You know, you, you take it almost for granted, which is some of the shell shock you get when you exit military. You're like, oh, shoot, now I'm responsible for this and this. I got to think about it. I have to pay what in a deductible? That's yeah, insane. Exactly. I had to, like, I, what? Yeah. You know, a lot of that's controlled in the this, in this civilian sector by our collective bargain agreement. That's all prearranged, pre figured out and even going to the wages, you know, everyone in the military, you can pretty much zero in on what every depend on your, your rank, right? What you're going to get paid, you get pretty close. And it's not much different than your local collective bargain agreement either. You know, if you meet this qualification, this credential, this is what you're going to get paid. So it, there's so many similarities, the way the military operates to the way the union construction trades operate, not only what I would say in business operations, but just the, the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the attributes that we look for, show up on time, give an honest day's worth of work, you know, know your craft, on-the-job training, you know, technical instruction, just a lot of the parallels of how we operate are so Absolutely. similar to the military. You touched on something that I actually realized I don't know, and I'm kind of curious. Of I obviously know from the, like you mentioned, the enlisted side, the, the worker bees going from, you know, the sergeant to the, the, the pipe fitter, the steam, whatever, all of those. What about the captain, army, engineer looking helmets to hard hats into the project managed? How do you guys accommodate for that? Oh, yeah. So that's this is an area that we're looking to expand. Now, it's always been part of H2H, but I don't know if we've ever expanded to capitalize on it. So, you know, if you're a captain and the engineers in the army or you're a 12 alpha um, exit in and, you know, you have a bachelor's degree, you obviously have some type of engineer experience, probably from the army, but maybe even your degree you exit and you're for this industry, project manager, estimator, super, you know, possibly a superintendent in some capacity. It's such a good fit. And you have leadership experience, right? You've been in charge of people and equipment of great magnitude, you know, either monetary or life, right? You know, that's right. huge, huge responsibility that you're used to that our contractors are dying for, right? And this need. So, you know, not only we talk about the, the O grades, right? And I always throw warrant officers in there too, because that's what I am. I'm not, uh, I don't want to leave them out because they're, they're great people that have been around a long time that are looking for uh, jobs too, but just the, the experience and the construction. And I think now more than ever leadership, you know, I, I think that's a, you know, they've been in some very difficult situations to where they've had to think about safety. They've had to think about, you know, ethics, right. Of how to execute a decision. They've had to think about the monetary to some of these decisions and what the repercussions, if, if you do this, what's that or, or the pros and cons. So, you know, there is definitely a lot of senior people that are exiting the military that are definitely aligned with management that truthfully, you'll never get them to go to register apprenticeship. You know, they cannot, they're in a position uh, because of their credentials and time in the military to go that far backwards monetarily, income-wise, it would sure. never work out. You know, that's a hard No, shift. absolutely. So, you know, our contractors are out there. They're eager to find these project ma managers, these estimators, logistics. I mean, gosh, you know, right. all the people out there that are uh, moving uh, equipment from here to there, supply, uh, safety officers, all those positions that our contractors need are in the military, and they're looking right. for that next civilian career. And you kind of touched on this, but I, I wanted to kind of say it a little bit more, is that 
just from a culture of understanding of of the pecking order, a construction site works a lot like the military in a lot of ways as well, as far as being able to, if you get out of the military and are looking to integrate well into a job site, chances are you kind of understand how that works a lot better than... Yeah. 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 So, you know what, uh, every job site, it's a chain of command, right? It's It's almost... It's almost difficult not to come out of the military and be a part of that. You know, if you're part of a loose program, you just feel lost in the sauce. But when you come out in the construction industry, there's always a, a general contractor and there's always the point guy and the general contractor. And then you have the different subs and each sub has their own, you know, foreman, superintendent, and then it so forth, so forth. And then, yeah, it just makes perfect sense. People grasp it out of the military really, really quickly because that's how their minds are trained to think and they comprehend it. So, and it, it's a good fit, you know, it's, you know, they understand the time information material because that's what it takes to get a mission done, right? You need to know where do I need to be? What information do I need to execute that? And what do I need to execute that? So it's so parallel to, to the construction industries. No. And I mean, just throughout my, I have seen, like you said, the loss in the sauce, I've seen people transition out of 10, 15, you know, 12, whatever years of service going into a, a differently structured environment and it's the military has its own language, its own tempo, its own everything and moving into a modern, yeah. Constructions of the, the trades are a really similar parallel. Yeah. That, uh, and another attribute of the trades uh, that's similar to military is, you know, military is pretty direct in communication, right? We always emphasize that, you know, there's, it's one thing to, to make a bunch of noise and, and communicate, but it's one thing to communicate effectively. And you do that a lot in the military, right? We're always kind of honing that to get to the point what it is. And that's a lot in the construction industry, right? We're not really looking for fluff a lot of times. Yeah, there's, there's, I would say, better relationships. You know, we're not as direct in the construction industry. But a lot of times we move quickly. We need information um, and, and we need to be more direct. The military provide that. You know, they're like, okay, what? let's get right to the point. What do we need to do? Because time is money and we need to get this done. So that's another attribute that the, a lot of military officers are really good at uh, communicating, right? Because that's how their upper leaders wanted it. You know, we, they don't they don't have time. People in the military are super busy, you know, uh, and unfortunately, sometimes it's a negative attribute that we got to get over, too, because we're like, you know, in the, the civilian world, you know, it's not always nice to start off an email with, go do this, X, Y, and Z. You know, we got to remember, say, hey, good morning. By the way, this is what I need done. You know, but with a little bit of of change there, they can be super effective in this construction world. I remember now speaking literally everyone that is only on the trade side is going to lose us for a few seconds here. I remember when I was first learning about how to write and read a five paragraph op order. And I was like, and I called my dad who was retired 33 year military. And I, I called him. And I was like, this is awful. This is terrible. I hate this. Why do we do this? And he's like, read it again. And by the end of it, like the five paragraph op order cuts through it all BS so fast. Like, this is what you're doing. This is how you're doing it. This is when you're doing it. Do you have any questions? No good. Go away. It's the five. Once you learn to read and write it, it becomes this institutional thing where now communicating in any other way gets a little clunky. Yeah. And, and there's reasons for that because time, time is not usually of the essence in those op orders. So it's right. No bullshit. What do you need to do? And the other thing, the op orders that I think people struggle in the civilian world and is, you know, we, we have a, I have a saying, it is a common saying is trust and verify. So you put people in positions that are trained to handle that responsibility, or at least they're supposed to. And we hold them accountable a lot more in the military. And I, I think in the civilian world, sometimes we try to micromanage too much in an op order, you know, all right, you know, you know, company X alpha company will just say, 
here's the mission, here's the scope, be there by 0700. There's no in between. It's up to that company commander to execute, right? He's got his people. He knows his equipment, what their capabilities are. He knows where he needs to be. He's got the five W's. Everything in between is on him. And I, I think a lot of times in the civilian world, managers try to get too much in the weeds. You know, they don't trust and they don't, you know, you can verify, follow up. What's your back brief? You know, where are you at? Do you have any shortcomings? Let's do the AAR. Why did you make those decisions? But other than that, yeah, no. So I, I was, I enlisted originally, but I, I was transportation logistics officer. And like, they tell me to build, you know, they tell me to build the lot, do the transportation plan. They don't usually ask questions until it goes terribly wrong. The idea is to not let it go terribly wrong. It's yeah, it's trust, but verify. Don't tell people, don't tell people what to do. Get, tell, ask them what you want them to do. Like put someone in charge and let them run it. And I think that I think just going back to the helmets to hard hats, I think that that language, that five paragraph op order, that trust but verify, hey, your job is to do this task, ready, go. I think that speaks really well to the military, all services. Now, I believe you were Army, correct? Yes. Yeah. You and I were both Army. So, I mean, I, I assume it is the same in, our, in our, our, our brother and sister services. But, yeah, I know that it works really well with the military, in the Army at least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a, actually, a, you know, that's a characteristic I have. And I learned it through the armies because – especially when I, I became an officer myself, not so much when you're enlisted. The enlisted, you're just, you know, Roger, yeah. move out, right? Uh, got it. When you start becoming that person that's in charge of what I call, you know, Tim, right? Time informa- information material, you lay out the plan and then let them execute the plan, the enlisted. There's an accountability that you just don't want to let other people down, right? If I forget to do this, and you will forget shit, it happens. Sure. But if you don't want that to happen, you got this deep, will inside of you that a lot of other people are dependent on me to get this done. And that's a huge attribute when you come to the civilian world, right? That work ethic, that, that thing that it's not about a paycheck, it's about the mission and making sure everything goes smoothly and keeping morale up and everything like that. So, yeah. So yeah, that, that, uh, that is huge. Uh, I think that's something definitely in the civilian world that people can better exercise and leadership styles, of that. And again, I think it, it, it truthfully, you'll have your hiccups. There's no doubt, but in the long run, it definitely moves you to a higher level of effectiveness once you live it. So let me kind of transition this to a, a call to action, if you were. So we have, we have, you know, we have all these people transitioning out of the military and you and I have just covered all the many, many reasons why they, they are really great on the other side, on the labor side, on the, on the, the construction, on the contractor side, What's the, uh, what's the ask? What do they need to do? What do we need to do to help the, the service members find a better place to transition to? So the, the, the ask is, so you're for just specialists coming out of the military. Is that what you're asking? Right. No, the, the specialist, I understand. Hey, check out, go, go check out Mr. and look it up. I mean, from the, the other side, the posting, the job side, from the supply side, you know, get involved. I was just at Fort Ben in this past weekend and I had a high a great amount of upper leadership coming to me. And I'm talking, and I'm going to throw stuff you'll know, but majors, light colonels, colonels, sergeant majors, people with damn near 20 plus, if not 30 years of experience. At a, and, and keep in mind, this was a, a ranger battalion. And I know people won't know that, but these people move at a very high speed. They have very good skills. I mean, super talented Combat effective, yeah, that's not really effective in the civilian world, but these are people that can take that skill, know how to make quick decisions, good decisions, 
good decisions, ethical decisions. And on top of that, they're very well educated. Most of these people are bachelor's degrees at a minimum. They know this world. And to them, the, the call to action to management is like, these people exist. And truthfully, it, it's crazy to me. These, some of these people are nervous about exiting military. And, and, and they've lived this culture, per se. And that next step is scary. And if you can get involved in here and open the door to you and understand that and and you're taking in such a good person and take care of them, they will pay a tenfold back. Uh, and truthfully, not only help you, your company, but probably your entire company morale-wise team. When a leader steps in, we've all seen it, right? When you have that right person step in, you're like, it just changes the environment uh, of where you want your company to go in a positive way. So that's the ask, you know, get involved. You know, you need project managers Post it out there. They exist. The army has several engineers in the, the military that are excellent. That would be great project managers, or you need an electrical engineer. You know, they exist. You know, there's a reason that the army Corps of engineers is going after these people after, for green suitors after they exit, they exist. Absolutely. And as well, like like I said, I come from the, the logistics, quartermasters, transportation. Yeah, yeah. You've got teamsters, you've got operators, you've got like just just from my logisticians side, everything from project management all the way down to you want a crane operated on a on a dime in a austere environment. Like I had a guy who could literally it was it wasn't a tow truck, it was a PLS, but you know what that is, no one else does. I knew a guy that could that he could like hook up another PLS under fire in under three minutes and he could do amazing things. Get him in a get him in a far less austere environment, it would be, an, he'd be an incredible match. And there's a lot of synergy here. Yeah. And that's the thing. This is a, you know, it was an area, you know, H2H, like I said, they've always been part of that, uh, of this program, the, the contractors, the management, I call it. Um, but we just never capitalized on it. And being that I've lived in the military world, you know, and, and seeing friends like yourself, there is so much opportunity for them in our industry as well. And, and, and truthfully, we'll never, we'll never get them into the trades. They're just way too qualified to be there. Not saying never, I shouldn't say that, but to me, you know, if I'm an O grade leaving, making 80,000 plus dollars a year, I'm probably not going to go back to a first period apprentice making 15 to 20 bucks an hour. So if we can't get them there, let's get them in our team on the other side. And that's just, that's awesome. That's all I'm asking. No, and I appreciate it. I mean, again, as as uh, as former service, you know, vet as, as well as you, I, I think there's so much good to be done here. And I think there's, it's not just good for the vet, but I think that the vets can do such amazing things for the trades. And I think that Helmets to Hard Hats is such a great avenue and opportunity for both sides, both for, for everyone to, to lift up the other. And I, I appreciate you taking some time to come on with us today. So, in just kind of closing, is there, what's the ask though? The simple get on and put your job up, get on and check for jobs. This is the down and dirty, you know, H2H is, is a, a program that connects transition and service members, active uh, duty guard reserve and veterans to the organized construction trades, either mainly through registered apprenticeship, but also the management side of the house. There's very qualified people at exit military service. So if you're a contractor out there and you need to grow your, your employee pool, and get talent, use us as a, one of the pipelines to grow that talent. And it's as simple as going to our website, making an account. Uh, once you make an account, put those job postings out there. And that gives the ability for that service member 24 seven, 365 to do a search on our job board and see that opportunity uh, for their next chapter of their lives. That's the simple ask. Awesome. 
Martin, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. As always, let us know if we can ever help you. And please, everyone, please check out Helmets to Hard Hats. Make that account and uh, and help a service member help you. Great. Thank you, Kirk. You have a good one. Hey, you too, sir. You've just listened to the Construction User 2.0 podcast from the Association of Union Constructors. Don't forget to subscribe to get all future episodes of what is going on and what is current in the union construction and maintenance industry. 